if you know what I'm thinking about right now. I said, I'm thinking about when I stand before God. And, and, I, and I told her I was a little nervous because I started thinking like, man, I remember those days when I would, you ever had a big interview? And you're, you're sitting outside in a chair and you're finna go in this big interview and you're nervous, your hands are sweaty. Or are you, if you were in college, you ever had a big test and, and you're kind of worried, did I study enough? Did I, did I do this enough? Did I, did I do this enough? And, and, and I was thinking that and I told her I was for a second, I was worried. And then I realized that it was not about me, it was all Jesus. And I began to calm my spirit that no, it, it's, that's why I played the song today, um, in Christ alone, it's all Christ Jesus. He's the reason that I and you will stand. He's the reason that you and I can stand holy and, and blameless before the Father. So again, Paul here is emphasizing and, and pointing the Colossians to the spiritual blessings that the Father has worked through Jesus Christ to allow you to stand holy and blameless before him. Now here the emphasis on the Father, but guess what? When you also look throughout the New Testament, there's other emphasis where the before him is Jesus Christ, that Christ is going to present us holy and blameless before himself. And one of those verses, is, go back to Ephesians, is Ephesians chapter 5. Holy and blameless. Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 25. Now let's see who the emphasis is here. Who is he presenting before. Told you, this is going to be like a Bible study. It's text, and we're going to study this text. I want you to understand that before him, emphasizing that part, and at the end, we'll come. And like last week, we're going to pray the scriptures together as a church again. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, look what the Lord says here. Look what Paul said. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why? So that he might, what? Sanctify her, meaning set her apart. You are Christ's church. You are part of his body. This means you having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Look at 27. That he might present, who? To himself, the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy in what? Blameless. So now what is the emphasis here? This is Christ. This is a, a promise that Christ is going to cleanse you. Christ is going to continue to be washing you with the word to present you holy and blameless, not just before the father, but before himself, because you are his bride. So Christ is going to present you holy and blameless before himself in the sight of God. And that's the emphasis that Paul is showing right here, that this is a, another spiritual blessing that Christ is going to present you to himself as holy and blameless. How is he going to do it? Through his word. So this is good news because this tells you that Christ is going to see us through, through, through the end. He's going to constantly keep washing you, keep cleansing you. Why? Because he's going to present you to himself as his bride, as his bride that is truly holy and blameless. And, and here's the beautiful thing about this text. When you keep reading this text, down on to verse 28, the text says, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Do you notice that the text is saying that Christ cherishes the church? 
who's the church is you and I. So that means that Christ cherishes you. He's going to nourish you. You are cherished by God. Do you understand the glory of that? It doesn't matter what nobody else thinks about you. It doesn't matter what anybody else says about you. This text says that Christ cherishes his body and you, my brothers and sisters, are made up of that body. So that means that you are cherished by the Lord. He's going to nourish you. He's going to make sure that you have what you need. He's going to bring you to full completion to that holiness state that he has already established in the heavenlies where you stand right now holy and blameless before God. Christ is going to continue to work in you, to mold you, to bring you to that place of complete sanctification. Why? Because he loves his bride. He loves his body. That's the beauty of this word. Christ is still washing. He's washing his church. It goes to like what Jesus was saying to the disciples. Do you remember they were in the upper room and Jesus was washing the feet of the disciples and Peter didn't want to wash. Remember what the Lord told Peter that you are you have already bathed, you are already clean, but because you are already bathed and you are already clean, the only thing that needs to be washed are your feet. Why? Because our feet are the thing that walks around in this world. Yes, we are holy and sanctified by Jesus, but as we walk around in this world, our feet get dirty. We we still have shortcomings. We still we still have things that need to be washed out of us. And so it is by his word that God continues to wash our feet. See, those bad habits you have, they're just, they're bad feet. That's all it is. They're dirty feet. It's, it's the word of God that's going to wash you and cleanse you. The, the sins that you are trying to deal with and overcome, that's just dirty feet. See, you're cleansed by Jesus, but your, your feet get dirty as you walk around in this world. But Christ is going to continue to cleanse you. He's going to make you holy and blameless. Why? Because you are his bride and his, and his bride he cherishes. He cherishes his bride. And when I read this text, it points me to another place in Scripture. One of the, I would say, probably my favorite text in Scripture, talking about how beautiful the bride is going to be, and that's the Song of Solomon. Turn with me there, the Song of Solomon. Chapter 4, I want to show you something, how this mirrors what we find here in Ephesians 5. We're just looking at these few texts, and then we're going to go into prayer real soon and just pray the scriptures. That's the ultimate goal today. But I want to give you just a little context of before him when we pray that, even though we discussed it last week. Let me get there to Song of Solomon. I'm sorry, I'm talking. Yeah. It's one of the last wisdom books. Where are you at? Here we go. Song of Solomon 4. And this is what I'm going to do. I want to read verses 1 through 7. 7 is the emphasis, but I want to read 1 through 7 just so you can get the context. I want you to understand the beauty of this bride, the beauty of you who are in Christ. And I'm going to warn you, there is a verse where the Bible gets pretty explicit in describing the beauty of this woman. Um, As you'll see, so Song of Solomon, verse 4, I'm chapter 4, I'm going to look at verses 1 through 7. Now just imagine this, this is the bridegroom describing the beauty of his bride that he's seeing. Okay, just, just think on this. It says this, look what he says, how beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful you are. 
Now look how he describes the beauty of her eyes. This is a person who's in love with his bride. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats. This was a good thing back in the time. I know right now that looks like an insult, right? What if, what if Anthony said to you, Veronica, your hair is like a flock of goats, right? <laughs> you would be like, what did you say to me? Right, right. Your hair is like a flock of goats that have descended from Mount, from Mount Gilead. Look at this. Your teeth are like a flock of newly shown ewes. Wow which has come up from their washing, all which bear twins, and not one of them has lost her young. So she got all her teeth, he said. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Look at this. Look, now he's just going to describe her lips. This person is in love with this beauty, beautiful bride. Your lips are like a scarlet thread, and your mouth is lovely. Your temples are like a slice of pomegranate behind your veil. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built with rows of stone, on which are hung a thousand shields, all round shields of the mighty men. Your two breasts are like two fawns. This is in the Bible, yep. <laughs> Twins of a gazelle, he loves his bride, which feed among the lilies until the cool of the day when the shadows flee away. I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. Now to verse 7, the most beautiful verse to me right now in the Old Testament. Oh my goodness, when I read this verse, I picture what I'm reading as Christ himself, holy and blameless. Look what the writer is going to say. This is what Christ would say to his bride. Look what he says here in verse 7 as he looks at his bride. All together, oh my darling, and there is no blemish in you. I've been his bride. He, he looks at her and he says, you are, you are all together beautiful. There's not one blemish in you. You believers, this is Christ in the church. This is the, the holy and blameless that he does. This is Christ looking at his bride and saying to me, the beautiful. There's not one spot in you. Why there's not one spot in you? Because the, the bridegroom has washed his bride and presented her before himself, holy and blameless, with no spot in her. That's us. If a man can say this about a woman, earthly bride, can you imagine what Christ will say when he sees his church that he has sanctified and shed his own blood for it, saying, you are all together beautiful my darling, and there's no spot, there's no blemish in you. Why? Because she's washed in the righteousness of bridegroom. Church, you got to understand the beauty, what Christ is working and what Christ is doing in you. His church, who's going to stand holy and blameless before him without spot or wrinkled. All the sin that you've done, that's gone away in Jesus all the guilt and the lies that Satan throws at you, that, that's going right away in Jesus. See, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. When you, when you stand before God, there's no blemish and no spot in you. Imagine this, when, when you stand before God, imagine that day on, on the day when you stand before God and you, and you fall to your knees 
with tears in your eyes because you are standing and seeing the, the glory of the beauty of God. You're not going to stand there with a filthy garment on, my brothers and sisters. You're going to be there falling on your knees crying, but guess what? You're going to be all together beautiful with no spot, no, no nothing in you. Have, have you ever seen that bride who's beautiful in her dress, but her mascara is running down out of happiness and joy? That, that, that crying, looking at the glory of Father, looking at the glory of the Son, but at the same time, we're going to be right there all together, beautiful. There's no spot. There's no wrinkle in us. Oh, man, I, I, I want to show you. This wasn't in my text, but we're going to go there. Go to Zacharias. Zacharias, Zechariah, Old Testament. Um, I want to show you. this one. It's before the last book of the Bible, Malachi. I want to show you something here so you can get this. Well, it was in my notes, but just not right here. But I, I just want to jump to it. Look at chapter 3. This is Zechariah. Israel had already gone in exile right now. You have some priests that are still left in Jerusalem. The Lord gives Zechariah this vision where he sees the high priest of that day, Joshua, standing before God. I just want you, the reason I'm bringing you here, because I want you to see the garment that he's wearing. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. Let's read this. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. That's what Satan is, right? That's what his name in Hebrew means, the accuser. That's what he does. He accuses and points out stuff. You always wonder if somebody's always pointing out things in your life. That's the accuser. It's not, the Holy Spirit brings you conviction. The, 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 the accuser just points out stuff and just says stuff that you're always doing wrong. So we see the accuser of Satan standing right here at his right hand to accuse him, which he wants to do of us. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now, Joshua, here, here's the point I want you to see. Now, Joshua was clothed with what? Filthy garments standing before the angel of the Lord. So now we have Joshua. We got this picture where you have Satan and you have the angel of the Lord. This angel of the Lord, I agree with most commentators, is Jesus Christ. It's the Messiah. So you have Satan and you have him standing right there. You have Joshua right there as well. And Joshua standing right there before the Lord with filthy garments on. But look what happens. And he spoke and said to um, verse four, and he spoke and said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garment from him. Again, he said to him, see, I have taken your iniquity away from you. And I will close you with festal robes. Do you just see the gospel just right there? Do you just see how this person, see, the, Joshua, he's a picture of us. Outside of Jesus, this is how you would stand on the day of judgment. You would stand before God in this filthy robe with your sin covering you. You would stand there ashamed. You would stand there with nothing. Just, just full. Look, the quick gospel happens right there. Joshua standing right there before the Lord, and the Lord in his own grace and mercy 
your garment. It's not that Joshua's going to go earn a nice clean garment. It's not if Joshua's going to go do some great works, but no, the Lord is just going to do it and remove his iniquity, a new garment. So he says again, before him, saying, garments from him. Again, he said to him, See, I have taken from you, and I and will close your festal robes. Then I said, This is uh, Zechariah, let them put a so they put a clean turban on his head and close him with standing gospel right there. See, in order for you to see the glory of us standing holy and blameless before God, you have to see the, 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 the Joshua in you. You have to see the Joshua in you, my brothers and sisters, that you were in this place, that you were in this position, that you, as we read in Colossians, were alienated from God, that you were evil in your ways, but the garment of your filthy garment, that thing has now been removed and you have this new garment on. That's altogether beautiful. See, we're going to stand before Jesus. We're going to stand before the Father altogether beautiful, holy, and blameless because of the work of Christ. That's the spiritual blessing. That's what Paul is trying to communicate to the Ephesians to see how we will stand in the future day before God. Holy and blameless, a spotless bride before our Lord. Now, let me give you another text. We just have a few, and we'll get the prayer. Um, Revelation. Revelation chapter 19. All together beautiful. Oh, man. Insane. Looking at his handiwork. All together beautiful. In verse 7 through 8. But I want us just to read all 19. So 19 verses 1 through uh, well, 10. We'll get. So I told you we're going to read a lot of text. But context will help you here. 19. This is after Babylon has fallen, the great harlot. The Lord, the Lamb has got brought this great victory. And this is eschatology. And we're not going to get into any eschatological views. Who this is, is Babylon this, is Babylon Russia. Is, I mean, it's, it's just so many. I'm not even going there. I just want you to get the principal point, the victory of the lamb. I want you to see the reaction of the body or people when they see the lamb in bringing this victory. And I want you to see the her being spotless and blameless before God. So that's it. That's all I want. Chapter 19. Let's look at verse 1. Things I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude saying, Hallelujah! Power belong to our God because his judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And the second time they said, Hallelujah! Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. 
And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all of you, his bondservants. Do you notice how this voice that is coming from the throne is now encouraging the rest of the people to praise God? I love that. That's why it's good for us to encourage your brother or sister to say, hey, praise God. Give him glory. That's exactly what they're doing here. He's encouraging them to praise God. So again, a voice came from the throne saying, give praise to our God, all of you, his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of the multitude and like the sounds of many waters, the mighty pearls of thunder saying, hallelujah, for your voice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come. Who's the lamb in this picture? It's Jesus Christ. Who's his bride? It's just us. It's the church. Have you ever had a, 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 a we have a different event, like a wedding, right? What is the first question we want to ask when we go to a wedding or we're invited to a wedding? It's what I'm going to wear, right? That's, that's one of the first things. I know it may be more for ladies, but the question that we always say, okay, what am I going to wear? I want to pose that same question to you. This is the marriage supper of the Lamb. What are you going to wear? Are you going to be in a filthy garment or are you going to be wrapped in the righteousness of Christ? Out of all events, this event matters the most. See, right now, as a church, we are betrothed to Christ, in a sense. The, the ceremony happens when we are united with him and see him face to face. This is the marriage supper of the Lamb. What are you going to wear? That's the question you want to know in my heart. What am, am I going to stand holy and righteous before my bride's groom, or am I going to stand with filthy garments full of evil? That's a question that all people have the answer. But look what here we find in the scripture. Let me start at seven again. He says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready, his church. Look. Hey, here comes grace and mercy. It was given to her to do what? To clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Do you notice in verse 8 that she didn't get it herself? What does verse 8 say? It was given to her. It was granted to her to wear this righteous, clean, and bright garment. It was nothing that the bride could do in herself. Again, when Solomon sees his bride and says, you're altogether beautiful, because why? It's the dress that he purchased. It, it, it's, it's his righteousness. See, that's what we see in the text. The reason we're altogether beautiful, because God has granted us this this. This perfect righteousness, this fine linen, this bright and clean clothes, this righteousness, he says, which is the acts of the saints. See, the, the righteousness acts that we do actually come from the being covered with the righteousness of Jesus. That is why we can take no credit for any of the righteous things that we do. We only do those righteous things because we are covered in his righteous garments, which allows us to do those righteous things. So we see here the, the righteous acts, he says. That's the garment that the saints are wearing in this context here. It's all Jesus. It's granted to them who? By the bride's groom. The bride is clean. She's holy. She's righteous. That's you and I, my brothers and sisters. I can say the same thing over and over. You have to understand. You have to see the Joshua in you. 
You have to see the, that you were in a filthy garment to only appreciate the goodness. See, there is no good news without bad news, right? You have to understand the bad news is that you were so broken, you were filthy, you were dirty, but now in Christ Jesus, you will stand before him, before the Father, holy and blameless, before Jesus as a beautiful bride because of what he has done for you. See, my brothers and sisters, this is the glory of God. How you stand before your father, how you stand before Christ. What will you be wearing on that day, my brothers and sisters? What garment? Will it be the righteousness of Jesus? Or will it be your own works? Will it be the robe that God has given you, just like the prodigal son? Do you remember the prodigal son? What happened when he ran back to the father? What did the father give him first? gave him a robe. He gave him a robe. He gave him a ring. That's gospel in that. That's God doing. It's not that the prodigal son did any righteous acts. It's God doing it himself, going and giving him the robe. It's Christ giving us the righteous robe. That, that is why you are complete in Jesus, my brothers and sisters. So you, we don't fear the day of judgment like the people in the world. They are like how, how I was. They are the little nervous ones because they don't know how they're going to stand. But we can have a confident assurance because our faith rests in Christ alone. We know we will stand holy and blameless before the Father. Holy and blameless before him. Why? Because it's not based on my works. It's based on the work and life of Jesus Christ. Blameless and holiness before him. God chose that in you before the foundation of the world. That's a reason to say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is why Paul is even bringing it up in the first place. He's showing you the glory of the Father. He's showing you the glory of his plan that he has had from the foundation of the world. And he's telling these Ephesians, this is why God is blessed. This is why we ought to praise his name because what he has done for us because of this holiness that we now have in him. That's why we say God is good. We say God is good for all the things that he gives us, yes. But we really look at these spiritual blessings. The fact that we are saying holy and blameless before God, that we don't fear like the rest. That is why we say God is good. Because I'm holy and righteous before him because of Jesus. Now, what I want us to do to end this, it's like we did last week. Let's just go back to Ephesians 1 through 4. With the understanding of before him, holy and blameless. And let's go as we did last week. And let's pray verses 1 through 4 as a church. Again, I'm going to look to my two prayer warriors here. Brother uh, Emil and Oleg to help lead us in this as they did last week. But let's just go back, let's read Ephesians 1 through 4, and let's spend the rest of our time praying the scriptures, thanking God for our right standing, our holiness before him, thanking him for our sanctification, all of that. So I'll read it, and then we can go into prayer. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we will be holy and blameless before him. Heavenly Father, you are blessed, God. We praise your name, Lord God, because I know there is no way that we and I would stand before you, God. God, I think about my old filthy garment, Lord God. I would have stood in that dirty, stinky sweater full of sin, lust, pride, selfishness, Lord God. But you, God, sin it fit. You, God, loving me from the foundation of the world since your son, Lord God, to take on my sin, Lord God. And God, his life now lives in me, Lord. Oh, Father, I thank you for your righteous plan, God. You, God, I thank you, Lord, that you would make us your saints, Lord. That you would make us your holy ones, God, that you choose to work through and use. Oh, God, you're mighty. You are glory, God. That's all I can say. I thank you, Lord God, for not just the saints that are at Ephesus, God, but I thank you for the saints that are here at this church right now, Lord. St. Oleg, St. Paula, St. Brian, St. Esmeralda, St. Anthony, all of the saints, God, all of your saints, people that you have sanctified, remove the blemish from them, Lord God, that they now stand holy and blameless in your sight. We thank you for that, Lord God. Thank you for this calling, Lord God, this holy calling, Lord God, that you have set us apart to live holy lives for you, Lord God. This was your will, this was your plan, not ours. Our plan was to go the opposite of you, God. But you came and found us in the mud and gave us life, Lord. And gave us purpose to be called your saints. We thank you for it, Lord God. We thank you, Father. Thank you for your mighty plan. 